Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. Good weekend, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. My name is Gee Flaming. The program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Wilhock is spelled W-I-L-H-A-U-K. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com and see how you, if you're in Western Canada, see how you can get your order shipped to you. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. Just contact Trent in Leduc. There are two locations, Leduc and Spruce Grove, but my understanding is Leduc is the one you want uh, for shipping uh, throughout Western Canada. Absolutely delicious, fresh on delivery, vacuum sealed, absolutely the best beef jerky you've ever had. Because you can't win, friends, with salad. Well, busy show this week on the program, and uh, I quite honestly, i got to get to Red Deer. The Oil Kings are playing the Rebels tonight. I'm making the drive down with Andrew Peard. Uh, so as I'm speaking with you right now, it's almost noon. i got to jet by 2 o'clock, so i got to get this done and uploaded and ready to go. So uh, this opening segment is going to be a quick one. We're going to quickly go through... Uh, some CHL news and uh, junior notes and some college notes as well. Uh, and then we'll uh, get you set up with what's coming up on the program today. So let's start with the CHL's top 10 this week. The Winnipeg Ice, who are now finally back in action. They uh, took down the Brandon Wheat Kings yesterday, 6-3. Connor McLennan, uh, Philadelphia Flyers draft pick, had a hat-trick in that uh, contest. Well, the Winnipeg Ice, still number one. They're followed by the Everett Silvertips. The Charlottetown Islanders out of the queue hop up to number three. The Oil Kings, after a stumble against Saskatoon last weekend, uh, they slipped to number four. The red-hot Portland Winterhawks, they are number five. The Kamloops is six. Uh, so you've got five WHL teams in the top six. Then Hamilton, Sherbrooke, London, and Quebec round out the top ten. The honorable mentions this week go to Kingston, Mississauga, and the Moose Jaw Warriors, who are also playing some pretty good hockey. Instead of going through the standings here, we'll just do the top five scores for each league, and we'll start in the WHL. And uh, Kyle Krinkovic of the Saskatoon Blades has gone through the draft already and uh, still draft eligible this year. Small guy, but big numbers. 66 points this year for Kyle Krinkovic. He's followed by another undrafted player, Arshdeep Baines. is a uh, 20-year-old this year with the Red Deer Rebels. He's got 65 points. His teammate, Ben King, he'll definitely be drafted this year after going through the draft already. 
Uh, he has 63 points. Logan Stankoven, who was uh, drafted in the second round by the Dallas Stars, he has 60 points. And uh, Josh Williams, another undrafted player with 59 points for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Shifting over to the Ontario Hockey League, Brandon Coe of the North Bay Battalion leads the league in scoring with 74, but it's a tight race. Wyatt Johnston from the Windsor Spitfires and Rory Cairns from the Sioux Greyhounds, both just a point back with, at uh, 73 points each. Luke Evangelista having a terrific year uh, for the London Knights. He has 68 points. And uh, Lucas Edmonds, draft eligible this season, even though he's going to be... Uh, we just had him on the show a month ago. Did I look? Is he going to be 21 by the time the draft rolls around? 64 points uh, for Edmonds with the Kingston Frontenacs. The Quebec Major Junior Hockey League started up again last week after uh, taking all of January off. They hadn't played since before Christmas. Well, they're back in business William Dufour of the St. John Sea Dogs has 58 points. He leads things in the queue. Felix LaFrance from Acadie Bathurst has 53. So does Xavier Simino of the Charlottetown Islanders. Patrick Gay from uh, Charlottetown has 52. And Joshua Waugh uh, of Sherbrooke also with 52 points in the queue. South of the border, it's still Stephen Halliday leading the way in the USHL. Plays for the Dubuque Fighting Saints, and uh, he has 56 points. Three back from him is Jackson Blake in Chicago with 53. Another Dubuque player, Connor Kurth, has 52 points. Jeremy Wilmer from the Tri-City Storm has 51. And then you've got uh, Quentin Hudson from Muskegon and Owen McLaughlin from Sioux City, both with 49. A change at the top in the North American Hockey League since we last chatted. Cole DeBicke now leading the league. He plays uh, for Springfield. Alexander Malinowski uh, with uh, Fairbanks has 52 points. Cade Nelson who has been leading for much of the season. Uh, he also has 52 points. Tommy Bannister from the New Jersey Titans has 50 points. And Kristaps uh, Skrastens from Amarillo with 49. 26 of those are goals. He's second in uh, the league in goal scoring behind Talon Sigurdsson from Anchorage. And uh, jumping over to the NCAA, well, last week we uh, previewed the men's beanpot tournament. The first half of that went on Monday. Harvard lost to Boston University, and Northeastern took down Boston College. So uh, this coming Monday, you're going to have BU against Northeastern. Both of their starting netminers are over in the Olympics. Uh, Harvard will play Boston College. The statistical leaders, it's a two-horse race at the top. Bobby Brink from Denver, also a Philadelphia Flyers draft pick, and uh, Nathan Smith from Minnesota State. They both have 41 points. Nathan Smith also drafted. He's a pick of the Winnipeg Jets, a third rounder back in 2018. Now, they have a four-point cushion ahead of uh, Brian Hallinan of uh, Michigan Tech and uh, Julian Napravnik, also from Minnesota State. Then you've got a group that includes Matty Beneers and Owen Sillinger, Matt Copperud, and Colin Thiessen, uh, both those last two players, both from Arizona State. They all have 36 points, and it goes down from there. Do we have time to do the uh, quick... Quickly look at the top 20 uh, ranking in the NCAA. All right, let's do it. Minnesota State has enough first-place votes to be ranked number one, but it is far from unanimous. Quinnipiac is ranked two, followed by Denver and then Michigan, and all four of those teams received first-place votes. So uh, it's a tight race at the top. Western Michigan, Minnesota, Duluth, Minnesota, Ohio State, Massachusetts, and St. Cloud are your top ten followed by Notre Dame, North Dakota, UMass Lowell, Michigan Tech, Northeastern, 
Cornell, Providence, Omaha, Clarkson, and Boston University coming in at number 20. All right, I said we were going to move quick, and I meant it. All my guests joined me courtesy the Troubled Monk hotline. Troubled Monk happens to be located in Red Deer. Will I be making a stop uh, there today? Uh, I'm not sure. Well, obviously, we're not going to be drinking because we're going to be on the air. Uh, but I might, uh, if I get there in time, might have uh, the ability to stop in and uh, say hello. But if you're in Alberta and uh, your local liquor store doesn't have a Troubled Monk in stock, find out why and demand that they order it in. Place your order online still, but then you go pick it up at the, in one of three places, Red Deer, Edmonton, or Calgary. In Red Deer, you're, you're picking up at the tap room itself. In Calgary, it's at the uh, Calgary Farmer's Market. That goes from Thursday to Sunday from 9 to 8 p.m. And in Edmonton, it's at the Bountiful Farmer's Market. Fridays from 10 to 4, Saturdays from 9 to 5, or Sundays from 10 to 4. And I'm just looking at the website, see if there's anything new again this week, because there quite often is. And yes, of course, the Heart of Darkness, Dark Lager out there now. And the My Second Rodeo, English Mild. Well, we saw that one last week. Uh, but uh, more of those seasonals that they like to bring out every once in a while. But because I'm heading to Red Deer today, I'm going to give a shout out to the Rebels Red. Troubledbunk.com slash shop. Let them know the Pipeline Show sent you. All right, on this week's episode, we've got a loaded show for you. Four guests, and uh, three of them are draft-eligible players. But the first one, her name is Ashley Chase. She is the first female broadcaster in the United States when it comes to junior hockey. First one ever. She calls the games for the St. Cloud Norsemen in the North American Hockey League. That league just had their top prospect tournament in Pittsburgh, so I wanted to catch up with uh, Ashley because she was there. She was calling those games, so we talked about that. We talked about the Norsemen, one of the top teams in the league, and uh, obviously about her story as well. So Ashley Chase is going to lead things off. Then we're going to leave the 2022 draft spotlight turned on for the rest of the show. We'll start with Cutter Goche, a forward with Team USA, the National Development Program, their U18 squad, having a terrific season. We'll get to know him, and then we'll uh, flip over to the Ontario Hockey League and Matthew Putra from the Guelph Storm. Both of those two players ranked uh, in the first round by NHL Central Scouting and by uh, many of the independent outlets out there. So we'll get to know uh, Matthew Putra as well, or Matt as he goes by. And we'll close things out with a defenseman of the Red Deer Rebels. Happen to be uh, heading that way myself today. And uh, you can hear this during our broadcast tonight as well. Spoiler alert. Uh, but Jace Weir, defenseman with the Rebels, he is going to close things out for us today here on the Pipeline Show. And with that, let's get to it. Ashley Chase, play-by-play, voice of the St. Cloud Norseman. She is up first here on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. <laughs> Stutzler, back to Sider, across to Bach. Dominic Bach, great pass in for Stutzler, slides it back across, they score! Hello, this is Tim Stutzler from Mannheim, and this is the Pipeline Show. The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week has a lot of character, but tell us about it. The Pesky Pig Pale Ale, named after the little piggy that never went to the market. This super approachable pale ale has all kinds of citrus flavors, including huge grapefruit note. Player comparable, Matthew Kachuk. Always in the mix, and no matter what, you'd rather him on your team. 
Troubled Monk, visit the Tap Room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. That's Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I heard about that thing on the AM radio. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. This is... Uh, the first segment for this week's uh, show, and of course, the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. If you're if you like beef jerky, you're gonna love Wilhock. So uh, check out their websites, WilhockBeefJerky.com. Available anywhere in Western Canada. Which, unfortunately, for my next guest, Ashley, I don't know if you're a big beef jerky fan, but uh, you'll have to uh, take a tour up here if you want some Wilhock. Uh, Ashley Chase is my guest. Uh, she is the voice of the St. Cloud Norseman. Uh, in the NAHL, and uh, Ashley, it's a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. How are things? Things are great, Key. I appreciate you having me. It's uh, a perfect time to get you on because I know you were just broadcasting games at the uh, Top Prospects Tournament for the Null in the NAHL, six teams that were put together to showcase them. Uh, maybe let's start with that. What What is the criteria for the players to be able to play in this event, and, and how, it, how did it go off? Yeah, so I'll give you what a typical year at least looks like because obviously there's been some shifting of things over the, over the last few um, to just accommodate everything that's going on in the world. But typically it is uh, split up into, you know, the four divisions, uh, which in, in the all is the, uh, the central, which is where we are, the Midwest, the South and the East. Uh, it's generally four divisions with uh, 13 forwards, 70 and two goalies. Um, this year uh, that was, you know, completely the plan. And uh, with the cancellation of some uh, international events, the uh, USA and TDP uh, U-17s uh, were left missing a few contests and wondered if they could be part of this top prospects tournament to try to get in front of, you know, central scouting and, and the college scouts uh, another time. So um, this ended up growing the event by adding a null select team uh, in which they took the youngest players from the other four divisions uh, who, who were represented and put them on a, a select team that was almost like a young guns uh, looking team mm-hmm. um, and, and added a few more players to that uh, to put all the other teams at 12 forward, 60 and two goalies. So uh, the main idea behind top prospects is that teams will send um, their uh, uncommitted players who are, you know, if they have those in their age out year. So the idea is sort of a, I, I won't call it a last chance, but that sort of idea of, you know, hey, here's an opportunity, um, you know, as as a member of your team to, you know, get this shot to play in front of, you know, all of these college and, and pro scouts and central scouting. Um, but by having that, you know, the Young Guns team and the USAU 17s, that obviously adds, you know, even more for central scouting and pro teams. And um, so it's just a really terrific opportunity for all the players who got to be there and that's what I think is so great about the North American Hockey League is they do such a good job of creating these events where you know everyone can come together and and scout as many teams and players as possible I really do think they give the best opportunity um, you know for for these athletes to you know showcase their talents on a big stage and in, in front of the people who need to see them so for most teams um, what they do is in each division they would freeze the the win percentage in the division I think this year it was January 10th mm-hmm. and uh, the top, top two teams, I think get four, uh, five, then four, uh, then three and so on um, down the division. 
and, and the total number of players that represent each team. So, um, yeah, every team sends a couple of representatives. That's how it's all divided up. And then they compete against each other uh, over the course of two days. Everybody gets two games and uh, they just play it out. I think it's fantastic, the format. And listen, every junior league has a showcase, the junior leagues that push guys to the uh, to the NCAA. They all have showcases early in the season, but I, I can't think of another one uh, outside of the null that has one in the middle of the season. So it's almost like a second opportunity for these players to get a look. And listen, there isn't a, a league that's uh, putting more players into Division One anymore than the uh, the NAHL. So uh, kudos to the league for doing that. Was it a successful event? And were there some players in particular that stood out in your mind? Yeah, it was it was a really successful event. It uh, it was the first year that it had been held in Pittsburgh at the uh, UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex, which is the Penguins' uh, practice facility, their training facility, uh, just a you know, top of the line, state of the art facility, uh, an amazing place to host uh, something like this. Everything you know, restaurants, hotels, everything's right there. You know, on-site food is tremendous, and um, they, you know, it's the growth of hockey in Pittsburgh over the last you know twenty plus years has been incredible. So to see everybody kind of flocking to there rather than the traditional places you've seen of, you know, Minnesota, Michigan, et cetera, here in the States. It's cool to see that that's become a hub for junior leagues to host some of these showcases. Mm-hmm. So that alone, pretty cool. Um, for myself, you know, I, I think there were, you know, some players that, that stood out as we watched, um, you know, there's, there, there's, it's kind of a unique situation where, it's a bit of an all-star game, but it's also not, right? So you're getting some of the top talent that's, that's across the league, um, but it's for the most part players who are uncommitted except for that null selects and obviously the USA 17. So um, it's, it's a pretty neat thing to be able to see, you know, kids who are, you know, on the younger end of junior hockey who maybe already have their commitment, who are trying to play up uh, to get, you know, basically prepared for the NHL draft and, and what their future may hold. Um, and on the opposite end, that you've got older players who are just trying to find, you know, that best college fit for them. So I think it was an interesting balance of the way uh, those teams approach playing. And we saw some really standout things. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll brag on one of our own a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, our, our Norseman goaltender, Tomas Bolo, had a, a really terrific outing with an all-select team. Um, he's an O2, and he, um, the second day, uh, put up, uh, I think 21 or 24 saves in the 15 minutes uh, that, or the 25 minutes, excuse me, that he played. So, um, you know, to put up that much shutout hockey, you know, over that span of time where you're playing against, you know, some of the best from, you know, across the league is, is pretty cool to see. Uh, so he definitely jumped out. Um, you know, I think, I think established himself. He's a little unknown. Uh, he's from Slovakia, uh, was on Slovakia's world juniors team, which, you know, maybe didn't get him the exposure that he probably would have liked. He's in his first year playing uh, in the U.S. Um, so I do think he was a little bit of an unknown commodity that did a good job of putting himself on the map. And I think that's, again, one of those things that's cool about this event. Um, you notice some players from from around the league, you know, the league's leading scorer, Cole Dubicki, is still uncommitted. He spent the year with uh, Kenai River, and that's a team that struggled a little bit. So, um, you know, for a player like him, you know, he doesn't go unnoticed by being a leading scorer, but um, you know, he did score during the tournament and, you know, that got a chance for people to put eyes on him where, you know, they might not go see Kenai because the team's not, um, you know, maybe where it wants to be. So, you know, I think it's a good chance for, you know, players who are on teams that are struggling a little bit to put themselves, you know, in front of the scouts. So I think we, we saw some 
some different players kind of step in and, and do some things that were good. Um, it was nice for me to be able to see, you know, the East team and the South team, and, you know, being in the central, I see the central and I see a little bit of the Midwest. Um, and, you know, I was, I, I covered the Johnstown Tomahawks for a couple of years uh, towards the start of that franchise. And um, it's always just cool to see the growth and, and, you know, where those teams come and the growth of the league. I mean, there's lots of new teams and, um, it's just been, it's just really exciting time, I think, for, for the league and, and for the athletes in it. And just what, what an opportunity this weekend. Well, there's 29 teams in the NAHL. And I don't imagine all 29 uh, play-by-play voices were there. Uh, so how did you get to uh, take part as a, and, and broadcast some of those games? How did they decide who's going to do it? And how did you get so lucky? Well, it was, it was great for me for a, a lot of reasons. Um, number one, um, you know, that was a little bit of a homecoming for me being uh, from Western Pennsylvania. I grew up about an hour and a half away from, from Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, it was a nice extra opportunity to go home. My parents were able to come out and kind of see what, what I do on a regular basis and nice. to kind of take in an event like this, which I think was a little mind blowing for them. They're not sports people. And it was cool to kind of open, open their eyes to what uh, a little <laughs> bit of the hockey world is like. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, myself and uh, Mike Rosensky from uh, the Odessa Jackalopes in Texas um, were selected by our fellow broadcasters um, to represent the league and, and broadcast this tournament. Uh, it was just a tremendous experience, and I'm really grateful that, you know, it, in you know my, my first year really of doing full hockey play-by-play um, to, to get that nod from, from my fellow broadcasters really meant a lot to me. Um, and, you know, those are, you know, I, I think – I'm a little spoiled in the central division. I get to hear those guys on a regular basis and we've got such a talented field. And it was, it was difficult even just voting myself, you know, myself looking at the list. I'm like, man, how do you pick two people, you know, (laughs) when you're going to nominate somebody? So um, I just really appreciate that they thought that way of me. And it was an an incredible experience and and so great to, you know, see all, all that talent from around the league and, you know, to meet, you know, other coaches and GMs and owners and uh, to be able to, you know, just learn and, and grow uh, in this profession. You know, part of my job, not just the team's broadcaster, but I'm a director of operations for the team. So, um, you know, anything I can do to, to grow in that role and uh, further advance, you know, myself and what I can do for our team is, you know, something I definitely didn't take for granted. So it was an overall just a tremendous experience. Actually, let's talk about the team and the uh, St. Cloud Norsemen uh, having a terrific year right now, sitting second in the Central Division, but uh, just one victory behind the Austin Bruins. And you got four games in hand, and your next four games happen to be against Austin. So, really important stretch of the schedule coming up here. Uh, set up the uh, the next couple of weeks for us for the uh, Norsemen. Yeah, it'll be an interesting matchup. Um, you know, these two teams I think have played some some physical hockey. Um, there's been a you know a, a pretty gritty back and forth between St. Cloud and Austin so far this year. Um, you know, I think that if you were to ask anybody on you know St. Cloud's roster if if they felt they played their best against Austin at any point, I don't know if you'd get a resounding yes. Um, so I think that's a little bit of it. Um, obviously motivating to be two points out of first place in the standings. Um, you know, at this point we, we have several games in hand um, because of actually playing uh, the U S 17 at that, you know, beginning of the season showcase. Um, we played two less games that weekend. So we basically started the game the season with two less games than, than everyone else. And, Eventually we'll catch up by the end of the season, but mm-hmm. it's, it's kept us at the bottom of the standings points wise, uh, even though we've been you know, winning a lot of games and playing some good hockey. So one, one weekend uh, we, we moved from fifth to second 
Um, it's a very tight central division race. So I think it was, you know, good for, you know, the confidence and, and the energy around the team to finally feel like you were maybe, you know, even though it's an aesthetic thing, you know, to be able to see yourself in that spot where you're like, Hey, we can compete to be number one and we can do it this weekend. That's definitely motivating. Um, I'm just playing really good hockey. I mentioned Bolo, um, who has been, um, you know, outstanding for this team lately. Uh, he ha- we've won eight straight coming into this weekend yeah. and he played in seven of those games, play- took a Saturday night off to get some rest before the top prospects tournament, which I think paid off for him. So, um, and, and then that night got an outstanding performance from, from Ethan Dahlmeyer in goal and, and ended up, you know, he got it, we got a shutout win one, nothing. So, um, you know, I, it's, it's moments like that and things like that, where I think teams can see it all sort of come together. Um, you know, our third and fourth lines put up all of our points last weekend, which is a rarity. We've got a tremendous top six group. Um, that's only been, you know, getting better as the season's gone on. So it was really cool to see, you know, some other guys kind of jump up and, and, and grab some of those points. And I think that's what's exciting about coming into this, this series is I don't know if any team really knows what to expect. Um, you know, we've got sort of all four lines rolling right now. And our defense is, is, is a group that likes to, likes to block shots and, and hit and maybe doesn't get the, you know, that, that spotlight because of it. Um, so it's, I, I, I think defensively, um, both ourselves and Austin uh, will take a lot of pride in how this series is played this weekend. Um, so I think a lot of those guys really want to step up and kind of set the tone. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that, you know, early on in some of these games. Well, back to back this weekend, a home at home, and the uh, same thing uh, next weekend as well. Uh, how how far apart are the two rinks, uh, the two towns? Is it a lot of travel or no? Uh, it's about two and a half to three hours, okay. I believe. Um, you know, we've been fortunate to uh, one of our players' families has, uh, you know, a restaurant part way, so we can stop and really have like a a nice family pregame meal on the way, and right. uh, it's it's really made a, a nice experience for the team. Um, so it's, it, I really, it, the, the travel's great. We're able to break it up like that. Um, so for a series like this, it's pretty cool um, to, to go back and forth and, uh, you know, let, less hotel, less bus, um, which in the grind of junior hockey in a 60-game season, I think everybody gets excited for weekends like that. <laughs> um, so it's just, uh, it's not too bad of a, a trip either way. And, um, you know, Austin's been there a, a few years and has a, you know, established fan base and, um, you know, that they're continuing to grow. And uh, for us in St. Cloud, you know, a little newer to being there in St. Cloud um, franchise moved a few, a uh, few years back. And really this is the, the, you know, the first full season as Norseman where the, where the, you know, all fans could attend and the doors can be wide open. So um, that's, that's been a cool experience to be part of, you know, the growth here and, you know, people that came before us sort of laid the groundwork for that. And now we're able to kind of pick up and, and elevate what we're what we're doing in St. Cloud, and you know, I'm just excited to see you know the future of this team and and where it can go. Actually, the first time we uh, crossed paths, and not in person, but you know, social media wise, you were working at Robert Morris, and you were helping me set up interviews with uh, with players and coaches and things like that. But I'm wondering how you got from that position and that role to behind the microphone uh, in St. Cloud. What was that transition like for you, and how did what was kind of the path that that, that led you that way? Well, it's funny when I when I graduated college, which is more years ago than I would like to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was, you know, being behind the mic for a team is is a job I really wanted. Um, you know, and the opportunity did did not come. I had applied all over the place and didn't didn't hear a peep from anyone. And that was sort of the days before, 
you know, social media could really, you know, elevate you and put you in front of people. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had it then, uh, but it was still sort of on the, on the newer side of things. So, um, I think from, from that time on, you know, I, my first six years out of college were spent doing sports on television. Um, I had always wanted to be the play-by-play voice in something I did, you know, basketball and a little baseball and softball and some football in college. Um, but you know, hockey was, was my passion or, you know, I went to a small college, didn't have a hockey team, but I was, you know, in Sioux city and for them to have a USHL team there, my mentor is still their broadcaster, uh, Curtis Anderson, just an awesome human being. And it taught me so much about just calling the game on the ice. And, um, I, I think even listening, which I hate to do, but you have to, as a broadcaster listening to myself, I can hear where I've, you know, definitely tried to, to learn from the way he calls games. And, um, you know, I just always wanted to have that opportunity and just the stars never really aligned. I ended up getting my feet wet in that world again after uh, leaving television. Um, you talk about social media breaking, bringing people together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd actually just messaged uh, Derek Schooley, who was the head coach at Robert Morris, uh, about something um, completely unrelated um, on Twitter. And very shortly after, uh, there's a media relations opening uh, that was involved with men's hockey. Um, and he said like, Hey, let's talk about this. And I ended up, you know, working at the school for six years. So, uh, it was a really great experience. I loved working with, uh, with Derek and, and the whole program there. Um, obviously was sad to, to see it go. And that ended my time at the university. And I thought I, I, I in, in the meantime, uh, you know, while I was, while I was at Robert Morris, um, you know, Coach Schooley gave me the opportunity to travel with the team and broadcast some games on the road. We didn't have road broadcasts. We only had home radio and it was someone else's job. Um, so that was my first chance to broadcast hockey doing play-by-play. Wow. Um, so I completely owe that opportunity to him because he was willing to to do that. So um, I'll always appreciate that. Um, it opened the door for me once I wasn't working specifically with his program anymore Um to start working for uh, a local high school sports network in Pittsburgh. And for three years broadcasted whatever sport they would let me broadcast. <laughs> um, it was, I, I just, I really loved working with Trib Live. Um, they do a tremendous job of covering high school sports in the Pittsburgh area. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking more than a hundred schools and all different sports. So it was, it was a really tremendous opportunity to be able to have that kind of experience where, you know, at the end of any given season, we'd head to head to a summer and I think, okay, wow, I, you know, I feel like I got better at, at this sport and this sport this year. And here's what I want to do next and gave you time to reset and, and learn something new every year. Um, and by doing that, I felt this past summer, like I would start applying for baseball and, and hockey jobs. Those were the two things that I really enjoyed the most. Um, hockey is really where my heart has been and I really enjoy calling baseball. So they were kind of the two things that I thought would fit together. You know, hockey season can run from basically August, September, the whole way through April or May. Uh, and then baseball is kind of that summer sport. So um, I thought, well, we'll see what's out there. Applied for a couple of jobs, talked to a few different teams and interviewed and uh, eventually had a friend connect me uh, with uh, the owner of the team in St. Cloud. Um, and we had a lot of really great conversations and it ended up going from, you know, we have an opening for a broadcaster to you know, Hey, what, what would you like to do here? You know, what, what, what could you, what could you bring to the table for us? And, um, you know, I, I uh, Chris Canavati is our owner and, and I love that he had 
you know, that open mind about, you know, you've done more things than just broadcast and, mm-hmm. you know, how can, how can we make this, you know, the best of, of both worlds for you and for us. Um, so it's just been, it's been a really great experience. It's, you know, every week is totally different. Sometimes you're dealing with, you know, Hey, the, you know, Hey, the lights are, are being difficult or Hey, the music doesn't sound right this week or, um, you know, you just never know what sort of, you know, operational issue you're going to have. And then you've got, you know, great weeks where, um, you know, everything is exciting. You've got, you know, a big new pregame show that's, that's exciting. And you've got youth teams that are coming to games and we're doing close game skates. And so it's a, it's a broad range of things that, that you're dealing with on a regular basis. But I, I just, you know, love that, um, we're seeing the growth here. We're seeing fans start to, to come out and, um, you know, starting to get the team involved with youth hockey in the area. They're going to practices and, and seeing those, those kids starting to look up to them. And, you know, that it, growth all, all takes time, but it's been just an exciting, um, exciting uh, experience this year. And I think it's only going to get better. I think it's fantastic. Uh, according to your Twitter feed, the first female junior hockey play-by-play broadcaster in the United States, as far as we know. Uh, and I, I think it's great. You're the first, but I hope you're not the last. I'm sure you won't be. Uh, by any stretch. I wonder, have you had any pushback? Has there been uncomfortable situations and maybe some dinosaur old coaches out there or something who uh, <laughs> take exception to having to, you know, lower themselves to speak to a lady or something? <laughs> no, um, I, I've, I've not had that experience in St. Cloud whatsoever. Um, I think, I think probably more so when I was doing television. Um, Cause I think in, I think in TV, you, you can often get pigeonholed as, you know, you're there because, you look a certain way or you got a you know face or hair or whatever I just could care n- not at all about that but um I think in television that's a struggle even I mean even for men um but more so obviously for women I think it can get pigeonholed by you know oh you're here because you look this way and you don't know anything and right. why do I care what you think about sports and you know I I think it's I think it can be difficult to be taken seriously um you know i I had on several occasions had the opportunity to break stories that, you know, two days later, a writer would, you know, quote, break a story. And, you know, I just didn't get taken seriously because, oh, I was a TV sports person, mm. um, you know, at some local outlet. Um, so I, I think I probably had that experience more so then, you know, um, and I think the only times I've ever felt unwelcome somewhere were during, you know, being in that TV role. Um, but for the most part, I've been, um, I think, really embraced by by everyone that I've worked with, whether it's, you know, coaches or their owners. Um, you know, I, I met so many wonderful people at this Top Prospects tournament. It was really, um, it was just really an incredible experience to get to meet folks from all around the league. And I, I mean, I, I really did not meet a single person who had that approach that you talked about, you know, where, there, there might have been some old dinosaurs hiding, but none of them came, came out to introduce themselves to me. So I had a really, I just had a really pleasant experience there. And no, I've not encountered any issues like that. It's really been, uh, been great to see. Great. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, before I let you go, Ashley, and I've really enjoyed this conversation, uh, we mentioned uh, Robert Morris uh, briefly. Uh, now we know the program went away, uh, but it's coming back. I, I just want to get your perspective on how important the, the men's and women's uh, hockey program is in that area and why it's great that it's back. And obviously it's great to have the coaches back and all that too. Yeah. I mean, I think the the biggest support I've ever seen for the program was after it went away. Yeah. And I hope that that fosters, you know, great things for them to come. 
I was extremely happy for, for Derek Schooley and now, you know, the new head coach of the women's program, Logan Biddle. He's an alum of the men's program, was the associate head coach of the women's team, and then had actually taken a job with Pittsburgh Penn's Elite uh, girls programs uh, to coach there um, and just has done an awesome job over there. But uh, what an opportunity to be able to, after all of that, come home and, you know, be the head coach of the women's team. And I think, uh, I think both of them will have exciting things in store for those programs. Well, Ashley, I really appreciate your time. Uh, big weekend for the uh, Norsemen. Uh, for people who are outside of the market, is there a way for them to tune in and either watch and hear you broadcast or just listen online? Yeah, everything for uh, the North American Hockey League is done with uh, Hockey TV. So yep. uh, I think you can I think you can subscribe to either the league or the team um, for the season, or I don't know if it's a game by game or monthly basis, but everything is there on on Hockey TV, so they can check that out. Fantastic, Ashley. Uh, thanks for doing this. I hope it's not the last time I can have you on. This has been great. Absolutely. Anytime. That was Ashley Chase, the uh, play-by-play voice of the St. Cloud Norsemen in the North American Hockey League uh, right after the top prospect tournament that happened out in Pittsburgh. Great to have a conversation with her. I've traded messages with her uh, off and on over the years, mostly when she was at Robert Morris, but uh, picking her brain a little bit about Atlantic hockey and things like that in the past. But uh, great to have that conversation with her. And I'm sincere when I say I think it's fantastic that we're starting to hear more and more women calling hockey games. I think it's great. Instead of it just being a sausage party all the time, why why can't there be women voices? Women know the game. Women, maybe they didn't play in the NHL. Maybe they didn't play in the Canadian Hockey League or Division One men's hockey. But there's Division One women's hockey. There's high-caliber women's leagues out there, and we're, we're seeing at the Olympics. There are women I've worked with in the past who are better at it than I am and understand they, they see things happening in the game and on the ice uh, that I don't necessarily pick up on right away. A friend of mine, uh, Allison Curry, was terrific to work with and uh, really knowledgeable. She's a big, passionate hockey fan as well, although she likes the Dallas Stars for whatever reason. Try not to hold it against her anyway, but you've heard several ladies on this program over the years, whether it's Julie Robenheimer or Paula Weston. I don't want to just have a checklist of all the ladies that I've had on the program over the years, but I think it's I think it's important. Uh, I, I think it provides a different perspective. Even just audibly, it sounds better, so it's not just all male voices. That's Hey, it's just my opinion, but I think it's uh, terrific. All right, next up on the Pipeline Show, uh, we've got three 2022 Draft Spotlight segments coming up. And I think first up is going to be Cutter Goche from uh, Team USA and the NTDP. We've got a couple others lined up, but as I'm speaking with you right now, they haven't happened yet. Uh, But when I put the show together, depending on which ones happen in which order they come, we're going to have Cutter Goche from Team USA. We're going to have Matthew Poitras from the Guelph Storm and uh, Jace Weir. From the Red Deer Rebels. So we got lots still to come on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. 2022 Draft Spotlight next. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And the Finns will start a lead pass. Finds Farinacci. In a low third. Nucci scores! John Farinacci catches the Finns on a change. And the United States retakes the lead. Hey, it's John Farinacci from the Dexter Southfield School, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. They used to tell me, boy, you ain't going nowhere. With your cheap guitar and your big long hair. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. 
Nick Bukestad. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we continue on with the program for this week. Of course, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Two locations, Leduc and Spruce Grove, but you can uh, have it shipped anywhere in Western Canada. Contact Trent in Leduc. All right, the uh, 2022 Draft Spotlight gets turned on now. For the next three segments, we're going to get to know players who are eligible for the upcoming draft. And our uh, first stop is in Plymouth, Michigan, as I'm joined by another player from the U.S. National Development Team. And no surprise, there's going to be a dozen guys taken from the team uh, in the draft, as it seems like every year now. Uh, And uh, this week's guest is Cutter Goche. Cutter, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you, and, and perfect timing for me. I know you were supposed to be heading over to Finland for uh, a uh, international tournament, uh, which got canceled, thanks COVID, and uh, that freed you up for uh, coming on the show, so uh, your misfortune is my good luck, but a great uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. How are you spending the the little downtime here? Uh, just, you know, spending time with family. You know, I don't get to see them too often, but uh, just relaxing, kind of taking a break, and uh, having a good time. How's the season gone for, for you and for the team this year? It's been going good so far. Uh, I think we're doing really well so far. Uh, it's tough that we couldn't go to Finland and showcase our skill against some international play, but it is what it is. Um, we're just looking to have this little break and get back at it for the rest of the season. You did get overseas uh, earlier this season. Didn't you go to Switzerland or something like that? Yep, yep. We headed over to Switzerland for the Four Nations, and we did really well over there. We went... 4-0, and uh, we won the championship there, so it was great. It's got to be a lot of fun to, to have those international games. I always like to ask the guys who play for the program, because you, you spend about a third of your draft season playing USHL competition, about a third playing Division One competition, and then you, you have that international experience as well. Do you have a preference? Yeah, I mean, you always love going overseas and playing international. If I had to pick one, it'd be definitely international, because last year, with COVID, we didn't get to play any, so that was our only time going overseas with the guys. Hmm. So it was pretty special, and I was fortunate enough to go over there. And uh, I definitely say international would be the best time with the guys. As we're speaking right now, the sheet I'm looking at says 35 points in 35 games for you this year. Uh, 23 of those are goals. Are you happy with your performance this year? Yeah, it's, I think it's been getting better every single game. Uh, kind of just working on the skills I've been uh, kind of keening on this season, and it's been going great. How do you think you've evolved as a player uh, since you started at the program compared to, you know, at the start of last season to where you're at now? How are you different? Uh, I think just my consistency and overall uh, physicalness. I think last year I wasn't hitting guys or using my body and size as an advantage. And I think this year I've been using it a lot more consistently and getting in tight spaces where I can use my great release. At your age, I wouldn't be, I mean, you're listed where I'm looking at 6'3 and 194. I don't know how up to date that is, but at your age, uh, that could be a sudden growth spurt. It wouldn't shock me if you told me last year you were five eleven. Uh, has has there been a, a a late growth spurt, or have you always been a big kid? Uh, I'd say I've always been a big kid. I think the biggest growth spurt I've had was probably from like six foot to six three. Hmm. Um, but yeah, in my high school years, I was always like around six feet, so it's been great. So have you noticed over the last couple of seasons, as you've gotten bigger and stronger, what you're able to do differently on the ice and how to use that, that to your advantage? 
yeah, I think just using my size down low, whether it's possessing the puck or being physical, uh, creating time and space for my uh, teammates to make plays. Speaking of teammates, uh, Cutter, who have your uh, line mates been for the most part this year, or does that get changed up a lot? It gets changed pretty frequently, but right now it's uh, Logan Cooley and Jimmy Snuggerud. So we, we've we been doing pretty good. We've been playing the past few games uh, together, and it's been great. So looking forward to see what we got planned for this upcoming weekend uh, in Dubuque next week. Well, it seems like uh, the chemistry there has got to be working. Uh, all three of you are having terrific seasons, obviously. Sometimes... I'm told, you know, there'll be one guy who's the the guy who goes to the corners, does all the hard work, and there's a setup guy and a shooter, uh, and that makes a line click. Do you see that with the three of you, or what's your role on that line? Uh, I'd say definitely the physical side. I'm really big physical, and I can finish as well. Me and Jimmy Snuggery have great releases, and Cooley's got uh, great speed, so he kind of just does his thing around guys and gets the puck to me and Jimmy, and we go on and put it back in the net. Are you in the middle, or are you on the wing? I'm on the wing. Which side? Left wing. left wing? Okay. Yep, left wing. Uh, I, I think you've played some center over uh, your career, haven't you? Yep. So I was pretty flexible with coach uh, playing center or left wing, just kind of giving me um, that flexibility, whether it's playing left or center, just uh, do, whatever it need, do whatever it takes to uh, help the team win. Yeah. All right. Uh, Cutter Goche is my guest here on the Pipeline Show in our 2022 Draft Spotlight segment. Uh, what we like to do in this part of the show, Cutter, is uh, let my audience get to know somebody who's draft eligible. Uh, now, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college show, so my regular listeners will follow the program. They will have heard of you, but there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who don't follow junior or college hockey who take an interest in a segment like this because you're a draft eligible player. So for the benefit of those people who don't know you, don't know anything about the program, Maybe let's get a bit of background. Uh, tell me where you grew up. Where are you from? Yeah, so my dad finished off his uh, pro career over in uh, Sweden, Schleftia Elite League in Sweden, mm-hmm. and that's where he had myself and my younger sister. Uh, I lived there for a few years, and we, we moved over to Arizona as he was drafted by the Winnipeg Jets, kind of finishing off his career over there, and that's where I got into the into the sport of hockey. You know, not many people uh, grow up playing hockey in Arizona, but I was fortunate enough to have the sporting family to support me through that in the not such a, I'd say, like, big hockey community. Right. So it was great. And I had the opportunity to move out to Michigan when I was 10 years old to play for Honeybake, the AAA program out here. I was recruited, and as a family made a decision that I was best for my career to move out here, and uh, it's been great since. Fantastic. Uh, your father, for those who don't know, Sean Goche is his name, uh, goaltender. Uh, had a stint in the NHL and uh, played a lot uh, in the American Hockey League and then overseas, as you mentioned. Uh, but a yep. goaltender, have you always been a forward or did you ever th- think about throwing the pads on when you were little? Yeah, yeah, definitely seeing him playing goalie was definitely something tempting I wanted to do. But uh, I started playing player and I think that worked out for the best. Well, yeah, it's, it seems like it's been the right choice. But, you know, he's 5'11 <laughs> and you're 6'3. You are the, you know, the, the typical size for the goaltender of uh, today's day and age you've got the frame to be a good goaltender he never like encouraged you or anything like that to hey why don't you put the pads on so I'd give it a try it was always fun and stuff playing street hockey goalie but I don't think I'd ever take <laughs> it too serious and I, I I don't like uh, blocking the shots I like scoring them uh, I know when uh, I talked to a lot of players maybe when they were really young you're you know, like novice or something seven eight years old yeah. maybe maybe your team didn't have a full-time goaltender so everybody would have to rotate through and, and take their turn in net uh, do you ever have one of those? No, I haven't had any game-like situations at goalie, but I've played a few practices with the team at goalie, and uh, it went pretty well. 
Uh, well, all right. Well, you've moved around a lot uh, in your playing career as well, going to Michigan, and that's a, that's a big commitment from the family as well. But uh, I, I imagine getting that opportunity has really helped propel your career, hasn't it? Yeah, it was definitely a big family decision, kind of seeing like all, all the places that have asked me to come out and play for them. Um, it was a tough decision as a family. Uh, we, we looked at all the options, and that was the best one for my career. And the family was uh, super supporting, and uh, they made a decision, and it's, it's been awesome. When did the program come onto your radar as something that was you know realistic for you? Uh, maybe uh, when you were 10 or 12 or something, you, you heard about it, but when did it start becoming realistic? I heard about it once I moved out here, kind of going and watching games and stuff like that. It was awesome. But I think the they really kind of reached out and like started talking to me um, 13, 14 new year. Um, going into the going into those seasons with Honeybake uh, is when they really showed some interest. Uh, now, being born in Sweden but grew up, growing up in the United States with a Canadian father, you got three passports? I do not. No, it's only American. I haven't got my Canadian citizenship yet from my dad's side. I thought you would have just automatically got that. I'm not sure how that works, but okay. Yeah, I'm not either, but I only got the U.S. one for now. All right. Let's talk about your college uh, destination uh, to play for Jerry York at, at Boston College. Uh, no question, Jerry yeah. York, a legend in the, the collegiate game. Uh, but why that program uh, is specifically for you, being uh, making it the right fit? Yeah, you know, definitely the hockey is great. The history of the program is absolutely um, unreal. The coaches, ever since they reached out, I not, they were nothing but class, and uh, they were great guys and great people as well. So that's one of the big reasons. And, you know, the, the city, the city itself is an awesome place to play with the great fans. So I think all that combined is just really motivating me to go, go to such a such a cool, cool spot. Are, and are you slated to go there next year? Like, will you be there in the fall? Yeah, yeah. I recently saw my NLI. Uh, actually, when I was over in Switzerland, I signed it to go to uh, Boston College next year. All right. Uh, I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, it looks like the Kitchener Rangers were the OHL team that uh, that uh, drafted you and held your rights. Did you ever consider playing in the Ontario Hockey League uh, like I believe your father did? No, I haven't. I haven't really thought about it. It was kind of mo- it was mostly it was it was all the national program from uh, day one. My dad played in the OHL, like you said, um, and he thought it was best for me and my development to stick with the USHL and uh, play for the NTDP team. All right. Uh, Cutter, let's talk about the NHL draft coming up. Uh, and uh, I always like to ask the players uh, whether they're, you know, guys who uh, try not to think about it. Some players will tell me they don't want to have that as a distraction and take away from what they're doing this season. Uh, other guys will tell me they actively look to see who's got them ranked where and things like that. And they use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you, Cutter? Uh, I'd say I don't really look at it too much, but if something uh, kind of like pops up on my feet or whatever, I'll definitely look at it. Um, like you said, yeah, if I see the ranking or whatever, it definitely motivates me to do better that season. But for the most part, I like uh, not worrying about all that outside noise and focusing on my game. When you started, you know, back last summer and you're beginning your draft eligible season, uh, do you think about what round you could go? I mean, everybody right now has seems to have you pegged as a first rounder. Was that the goal at the start of the year, did you think as long as I get drafted, I'll be happy? What was your thoughts back in like August? Uh, I'd definitely say first rounder has been my goal since I was young. Does it actually matter outside of pride and hate uh, that nobody's going to fault you for saying I want to be a first round pick? But uh, once the draft comes, if you're a first or a fourth rounder, does it really change anything in the long run? I don't think it really matters. Just whatever organization that drafts me, I'd be honored and proud to be playing for them. 
in one day. Now, I mentioned 6'3", and what did you say, about 195 pounds, something like that? Yep. For those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, can you give us a bit of a description of the, the way you like to play? Uh, you mentioned the physical aspect for sure. Yeah, I'd say I'm a two-way power forward with lots of skill. Uh, some, If I'm playing at the center, I can play a gritty uh, defensive game and a great offensive game. Uh, kind of the all-round package and physical, have a great shot, great IQ, and great skating ability. Can make plays all over the ice and support teammates. Did you have a favorite team, uh, NHL team, growing up, or did it, was it maybe yeah. individual players? Yeah, when I was younger, I, I, I liked Sidney Crosby and uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Hmm. That was the team I, I really enjoyed watching growing up. I got to ask you about the name, Cutter. Is that is it a nickname, or is that like what's on your birth certificate? Where does that come from? Yeah, yeah, that's that's my birth certificate. That's my real name. So over in Sweden, I think it was my mom was looking at it like a cooking book or uh, like a calendar, something 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 strange like that. And she found the name Cutter. And she thought it was pretty pretty cool and unique, and she, that's what she stuck with. So it was great. It is cool and unique. I'll give you that. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, outstanding, Cutter. Listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this season with the program and uh, whatever happens to the draft. And maybe we'll chat again once you're at BC. Sounds good. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. That was Cutter Goche from uh, Team USA, the U18 squad, having a uh, solid year. He's got some great line mates, of course. You could pretty much line up with anybody on that team and, and have uh, uh, success this year. That's such a deep squad, once again, as it usually is with the uh, when it comes to the program. Uh, I love that last answer when he was talking about how he got his name. His mom just spotted something in the kitchen. It's good thing like she didn't think of Blender or something like that. Uh, Cutter is a, uh, it's a pretty cool name. All right, next up, we uh, continue on with the 2022 Draft Spotlight. This time, we head to Ontario, and in the OHL, you got the Guelph Storm having a strong season, and one of their top guys is Matthew Patra. We'll get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And Athanasiu on the one-timer, fired it off the end boards. Here's Ekblad again, takes the shot, score! Hi, it's Aaron Eckblad from the Barry Colts, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Five-time Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhrer Arena for the 2021-22 season. A community-minded Junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment. Tickets to big league hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15 with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. Back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, we're going to continue with the 2022 Draft Spotlight segments, get to know another player eligible for the upcoming NHL Draft. The program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. You go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. It's W-I-L-H-A-U-K, wilhockbeefjerky.com. Anywhere in Western Canada, any order, any size, they will ship it to you. There's two locations you can drive to. They're both in Alberta. Uh, Alberta's best beef jerky. WilhockBeefJerky.com. All right, let's get to my guest who is a, a member of the Guelph Storm and having a terrific season. His name is Matthew Putra. Uh, Matt, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. 
pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. And uh, I mentioned that the uh, you and the Storm having a pretty good year. Uh, 27 points in 38 games for yourself this year. Uh, considering it's your rookie season, you didn't get to play at all last year. What were your expectations coming to this season? Um, I always think of my think of myself uh, highly as a great player. So um, I kind of just try and go out and expect myself uh, myself to perform every night. And you know, if you work hard every night, the points just come along with it. And for the team this year, uh, I know it's uh, really competitive in the standings. It's going to go right down to the wire in a lot of the divisions in the OHL. How have you felt about the way the team has performed? Um, I think we've uh, exceeded expectations from what we were expected to do from the start of the season. I think most people had us finishing last in our division hmm. just because we had a young team, 50 new guys. So um, so I think we've exceeded expectations, but we know what we have in our locker room and we expected uh, to come out and uh, win games and perform well. So um, it's going to come down to the wire. The division's really close, but hopefully we can finish the season strong and end up near the top. Normally, I would ask guys how, you know, at this stage of the season, how you've sort of evolved as a player from either the start of the year or from your rookie year uh, last year. But because you didn't play, uh, how have you felt, you know, just go back to October when the season started and how long did it took you to make that, uh, you sort of get acclimated to the major junior level from you know, a couple of years ago when you were playing uh, under-18 AAA? Well, yeah, um, obviously, the OHL is substantially faster than yeah. minor yeah. hockey. It's not even close. So um, I think it took uh, maybe 10, 15 games. You know, I, I felt like I had the speed, you know, but it's just getting comfortable and confident with the puck and uh, being confident in yourself and knowing you're able to make plays offensively and still just, you know, being uh, defensively sound. And playing the game the right way. Uh, who have your line mates been for the most part this year, or does that change often? Um, it shuffles around uh, quite a bit, but the main guys I've stayed with uh, the course of the season have been uh, Jake Carabell and Braden Bowman. All right, and uh, what's that chemistry like? How do do each of you have sort of a, a role to play on that uh, that line, or do you all kind of are you all the 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 setup guy and the shooter and the the guy who digs the pucks out of the corner and whoever battles in front of that or is there one you know one of those roles that you think you're better at the reason we work so well together is we all uh, like to dig pucks out and we all can go and work and win battles in the corners but I'd say me and Jake are more pass first type of guys and uh, Bonesy's more of a more of a shooter and I mean you can see like if you're on NHL level shot I'd say and when you see find him in the slot, it's going to be in the back of the net. Uh, Matt Putra from the Guelph Storm is my guest, draft-eligible player uh, that's uh, uh, got 27 points in 38 games this season. Uh, Matt, what we like to do in this part of the show is let the audience get to know a player who's draft-eligible. And uh, the, the, Now, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show, so my regular listeners uh, will follow the OHL, for example, and, and uh, probably will know exactly who you are, but... Uh, Segments like this get attention from casual NHL fans who don't care about junior hockey and might not be able mm -hmm. to find Guelph on a map. So uh, for the benefit of those people, let's start way at the beginning. Uh, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, I'm from Whippy, Ontario, and I've, I have grew up there all uh, through my whole life so far. So uh, Now, the, the sheet I'm looking at says Brooklyn, Ontario, which is just outside of <laughs> Whitby, but did, did it sort of get uh, swallowed up by Whitney over the last few years? Uh, no, I I don't know why, but everything has me from Brooklyn, Ontario. But <laughs> I, I'm I'm from Whitby, and I'd say I'm on the other side of the border to Brooklyn. Okay. So I don't know why everybody has it wrong, but That's I'm from funny. Whitby. 
All right. Uh, <laughs> when did you start playing hockey and who got you into it? Um, my dad got me into hockey and I think I started around three or four years old. Um, my, bro- my older brother played hockey before me and my, both my parents played hockey. So it was just natural for me to be put into hockey and, you know, I've loved it ever since. So as a younger brother, especially I have an older brother and that I just wanted to do whatever he was doing when we were kids. So yeah. I kind of, I'm think- sure that had something to do with yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now you're a, a forward now. Have you always been a forward? Do you ever play the blue line or even throw the pads on? Uh, well, I'd say every young kid tried every position. I know personally, it might not just be everybody. It might not be everybody, but I'd say when I was younger, I really wanted to be a goalie. <laughs> but then uh, as soon as I tried it out, I hated it because it was too boring. <laughs> too boring? Yeah, I don't know. Not my thing. Just I need to be moving. I can't be standing in one spot. <laughs> I see. I know a lot of guys will tell me like when they were I don't know seven or eight maybe their their maybe their team didn't have a full time goalie so everybody had to sort of rotate through and take yeah, their turn. Everybody tries it. Yeah. So, it, it, but for you it was too boring. It wasn't that you got you know ten goals scored on you. You just didn't have any fun. It was probably both of those. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. Um, yeah. All right. From there, uh, as a kid growing up, I, I mean, then you've got. Uh, the OHL priority selection and uh, being a, a first round pick like that, uh, 12th overall by Guelph, uh, not all that long ago in 2020. But uh, I imagine there's a, a bit of pressure that comes along with that. You know, the organization uses a high pick on you. They're going to have expectations. Obviously, the fans are expecting you to, to be an impact guy. Uh, fair to say, though, that uh, nobody has higher expectations for you than maybe you do for yourself? Yeah, I'd say I'm pretty hard on myself. Um, I expect to perform every game and you know, not every game is going to be your best, um, but I think it's important to be consistent. And uh, being consistent, I would say, it's probably the hardest thing to do in hockey. So if I can find a consistency in my game, uh, that really helps. But, yeah, I do put a lot of pressure on myself, and I expect uh, big things uh, for myself. So hopefully I can reach those goals I've set up for myself. For uh, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, and, and I'll be honest, I haven't had a chance to watch the, the Storm play mm-hmm. yet this year either. Uh, we see 11 goals, 16 assists, 27 points in 38 games. Those are nice numbers, but maybe don't tell the whole story. How do you describe yourself as a player? Um, I'd say I'm an offensive-minded playmaking centerman. Uh, who I, I'd like to I like to pride myself on my edge work and my uh, my hockey IQ and just my sense for the game. You know, I like to try and slow things down and just create offense. And I see myself as even though I've scored just as, or close to as many goals as assists this year. I'd say I'm still a playmaking forward, but, you know, I'm kind of finding my scoring touch. And, uh, you know, as I get more comfortable, I think um, I'll score more goals and put more points in the league, hopefully. A right-handed centerman. Uh, man, if you can if you can master the face-off dot, you're going to be worth your weight in gold. A right-handed centerman are hard to come <laughs> by. Uh, how how yeah. often, like, how much time do you spend on uh, working on face-offs? Um, we spend a lot of time in practice. You know, the face-off dot, I haven't been too good this year. You know, there's a lot of good uh, centermen in the league. Yeah. Um, I think just second half here, or we were in the second half here, I just need to bear down and fo- uh, focus on the draws and um, hopefully can win a few more and get that percentage up a bit. Well, fair to, fair to say as you uh, get more games under your belt at that level, you're not born with that ability, right? I mean, that's something you mm-hmm. got to earn through practice and and yeah. repetition, so it'll it'll come, I'm sure. Uh, now the sheet mm-hmm. I'm looking at says 5'11", 172 pounds, but I don't know how up to date that is. Uh, what are you at now? 
I'd like to put myself at five eleven and a half, but five eleven <laughs> is pretty pretty accurate. Um, I've put on a few a few pounds, like three pounds, so I'd say I'm about one seventy five on on a good day. So, but that that sheet's pretty accurate. Five eleven, you just got to stop cutting your hair. You know, get it really yeah. thick up top, and just got to grow it out. Exactly. Uh, now, being in a centerman, we talked about the, your your playing style already. Uh, is there an area of your game that you think you need to focus on and work on the most here before you can get to the next level? Uh, yeah, a centerman in the NHL has to be able to play both ways. You can't just be on one side of the puck. So um, I think my defensive zone uh, needs some work. Just, you know, getting low, supporting my D and being physical so I can separate the man from the puck. And and uh, hopefully, you know, if, if I can figure out my defensive side, which it's not bad, but like obviously... Mm-hmm every part of the game can can be improved. So figuring that out, hopefully, will lead to more offense too. Now, I know uh, the CHL top prospect game is coming up. They've had to reschedule it, but it, it's still, at least with an asterisk next to it, uh, it's still happening this year. Uh, I mean, we, you've been robbed of well, all of last season. You haven't mm-hmm. had any of those opportunities to play U17 or U18 for Canada, all those showcase events. How important is the top prospect game for you? Yeah, hopefully I... I get invited and I can uh, show my skills against the top players in our draft in the CHL. So I think it's a big thing. Again, like I've missed a lot of the showcase things like, mm-hmm. like the U17, U18, um, which are important. Like they're important uh, for like matching yourself up against other top players your age, but also they're just like great experiences. I'd say for like a young hockey player. And, you know, it's, it's kind of unfortunate missing out on those, but, Hopefully, I get the invite and can uh, perform well and uh, prove myself against the other top players in the draft. Now, when I talk to players about the draft, a lot of them will tell me they try not to think about it because they don't want it to be a distraction, uh, whereas other guys will tell me they actively seek out to see who's got them ranked where, and they use that as, as motivation. Uh, what about for you? Uh, are you a guy who thinks much about the draft, Matt? I'd say everybody thinks about the draft. Like It's obviously on the back of everybody's minds, but... I like to. I try and not focus on it. I don't. I don't try and worry about like where where someone's got me ranked. Because at the end of the day, like, um, if I'm like ranked low on someone's list and ranked high on another list, it it probably won't matter mm-hmm. really at the end of the day. Um, I just try and play my game and work hard every day. So, and I think the draft will just take care of itself. Interesting. I like that answer. All right. Well, m- most people seem to have you as a first or a second round guy. It seems like top 60 at least. Anyway, uh, does it matter to you uh, when it's all said and done, whether you're a first or a fourth round pick? Does it change anything in the long run? Um, obviously, I'd like to go as high as possible. But at the end of the day, you know, if I go, if I end up going second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever round, um, you, you just kind of got to look at it like an opportunity, you know, your, your draft stats doesn't necessarily define you. Um, you just got to go to camp and work hard and see what happens, you know, prove yourself. Now an Ontario guy, uh, not that far from Toronto growing up in, in Whitby, does that automatically make you a Leafs fan? I, I guess Buffalo's not that far mm-hmm. either. And Ottawa's uh, just down the road. Uh, who was your, who was your team growing up? Um, my team growing up, people would call me a bandwagon but i was i was young so you know i i kind of fell in love with the blackhawks when i was younger just i was a big fan of jonathan taze and after they won the cup you know obviously that was my favorite team so i really i really like them but nowadays i'm moving more towards a, a Leafs fan just because they're the hometown team so sure. and they've got a lot of a lot of talent so 
really fun to watch them play. And I don't like to say I'm a Leafs fan just, just cause, uh, my, my, my mom's a Leafs fan. I like, uh, make her mad and chirping the Leafs, but I, I would say, uh, I'm gravitating more towards being a Leafs fan. Yeah. Well, hey, it's not that long ago Mitch Marner was on this show as a member of the London Knights, and heck, Patrick Kane was on this show as a member of the London Knights back in the day as well. So when you think about stuff like that, you're not that far away. Like, it's it's realistic. Three, four years from now, maybe even sooner, you could be in the NHL. Do you ever think, I guess I'm sure you think about that. That's got to be exciting. Um, I think that's kind of what pushes me. Um, Thinking about that is, like, you get to do something as a career and it's not even really a job, I'd say. It's just something you love. So that kind of pushes me to be my, try and be my best every day. Um, if I can have a career being a hockey player and not having, I don't, I don't want to say like a real job, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> just like playing a sport for your job would be like the best thing ever. Fantastic. Well, Matthew, I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed the conversation a lot. Uh, best of luck to you in the storm the rest of the way this year and uh, whatever happens at the draft maybe we'll chat again all right thanks a lot for having me that was matthew putra from the guelph storm and i gotta tell you the audience you don't know this i had the conversation with him when we when we first uh called and uh, i had to get the correct pronunciation of his last name because on paper it looks like poitras p-o-i-t-r-a-s poitras and uh, when i was listening to play-by-play clips with him in them I heard Patra, but I know the last name as Poitra, uh, very French. Uh, I happen to have Poitra in my family, uh, so I know it uh, very, very French. That's the French side of my family. And with his name Matthew, I wanted to say Mathieu Poitra. So I asked him, and he, and he kind of laughed, and he knew what I was talking about. But uh, no, he goes by Patra, which growing up, it was always like that was the English version of uh, Poitra, and he kind of frown at it if, if you're francophone but it's funny it's it's kind of like all the import players that come over and play in the chl and they we all say their names com- often very wrong compared to how they pronounce it uh, back home and that's why i always ask the import players how you or how does your mom pronounce your last name so uh, that's why i mean there are guys in the whl right now who uh, i hear their names being pronounced one way and yet when I asked the players how you pronounce their name, Jesse Seppala was a perfect example. I played one year here with the Edmonton Oil Kings and uh, asked him how you pronounce your name because I've always been told Finnish names, accents on the first syllable, and you kind of say it quickly after that. So it was Seppala. And yet everybody here was calling him Jesse Seppala. And so I went back and asked him, and he said, no, it's it, it, it's Seppala. I'm like, okay, well, we want to make sure so that we're pronouncing it correctly in the air. And he's like, it's, it's North America. It doesn't really matter. So then we had we had, we were forced basically to call him Sapala all season because everybody wanted consistency across the league. Yet we didn't use correct pronunciation of his name, which was weird. So anyway, Matthew Putra from the Guelph Storm having a strong season and a lot of people consider him to be a first round talent for the upcoming draft. One more segment to go on this week's episode of the program, and it is another 2022 Draft Spotlight segment. This time, we're heading to the Western Hockey League. Jace Weir, one of the top defensemen in the uh, WHL's class for 2022. He plays for the Red Deer Rebels. We'll get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky.
Hi, this is Landon for the Red Deer Rebels. Hi, I'm Connor Bleakley. This is Matt Dumba. Hey, it's Adam Musil. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Hey, this is Grayson Polinchuk. Hey, this is Brandon Sutter. It's Hayden Flurry. Hi, I'm Alex Petrovic. Hi, it's Brent Sutter of the Red Deer Rebels, head coach, general manager, and owner. You are listening to the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week is the one that started it all. Tell us more about this classic, bud. Golden Gates Golden Ale. An easy drinking golden ale that you can use as your gateway to craft beer. This beer highlights the best malt in the world grown right here in our backyard. Player comparable, Nathan McKinnon. Underrated, yet awesome, every time out. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Yeah, there were horses and a man on fire and I killed a guy with a trident. Final segment to go on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show, which is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, available from Leduc or Spruce Grove, but you can get it shipped anywhere in Western Canada. So if you're in BC or Saskatchewan, Manitoba, you're not going to make that drive in, but you can get in touch with Trent in Leduc, and uh, they will ship that to you, vacuum-sealed, fresh, absolutely delicious. As soon as you open it, you're going to smell the aroma of the beef jerky, and it's going to get your mouth water, and that's for sure. Beef jerky or wilhockbeefjerky.com. All right, my next guest is uh, another draft eligible player. We've already met two earlier in this week's episode, and uh, we'll round out the episode with another. We're, this time we're heading down to Red Deer, home of Troubled Monk Brewing, uh, another sponsor here on the show. So we're on the Troubled Monk hotline as we're uh, getting set to chat with Jace Weir of the Red Deer Rebels. Jace, welcome to the program. How are you? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. I know. Uh, uh, that you had a busy trip, just back from a four-game uh, road trip, and uh, how successful was it? Uh, how do you feel about the way you guys played? Yeah, you know, I think um, starting out in uh, in Saskatoon, I thought we were thought we were good in Saskatoon. Uh, you know, I um, playing on the road is hard, obviously, with the, uh, the long bus ride. But I mean, I thought the boys, um, you know, played our game, stick to our structure, and we uh, we limited turnovers and limited uh, chances against. And I thought, um, you know, it really showed. Uh, when we um, came out uh, against Saskatoon, and then um, we uh, we uh, played um, PA, uh, another you know hard game. Um, you know, every game on the road is obviously pretty hard, um, especially in PA's uh, PA's barn. You mm-hmm. know, they they always got a lot of bumping fans, and they always are very energetic, and they're hard team to play against. And uh, so yeah, it was a good game. Um, you know, I think then we even uh, you know stuck our stuck to our systems and kind of stuck to the game plan um and then when we uh finished our road trip in brandon you know it was a tight game you know all along um one nothing going into the third for us um you know i thought i thought the first period was a little bit scrambly for us but uh you know, i thought we settled in for the second and third um and then i think for the last 10 minutes of the third we uh just got away from what our game and what our play style is um then we lost the game 3-1 but i think uh you know i think it wasn't a terrible game but i think at the same time you know we we could have 
played better hockey in the, in the third period there. But, you know, all in all, I think it was a good road trip. Um, you know, two of three games we won, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, wish we had that third one. But uh, and I think it was a good road trip, and now we're, we're excited for tomorrow. Well, big game this weekend against the Edmonton Oil Kings, the, uh, the team you're chasing in the Central Division. Obviously, I would assume they're pretty easy to get up for uh, because you guys are fighting for first place in the division. Yeah, for sure. You know, everyone's excited. Um, you know, it's it's obviously really nice to be at home too with our uh, with our fans and our type of environment there. Um, so yeah, obviously it's very exciting. You know, they have a really good team over there, and you know, we have a really good team here in Red Deer too. So you know, I think it'll be it'll be a good test for us. Um, you know, I think we just got to stick to our game and play physical, play fast. Um, you know, do what we do best type of thing, and just uh, just kind of trust the process. Looking forward to it. The Centrium is always a great place to watch a game. For those listening who maybe haven't gone to watch a, a game in Red Deer. Uh, it's a great barn and a good atmosphere. It's a it's a fun place to play in, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. It was a little um a little different this year because last year we obviously had no fans and that was my first year and then this yeah. year with having fans is it's totally different. It's so much you know so exciting and so fun to play uh play games in front of the Red Deer fans because they're you know so passionate and uh yeah so it's obviously you know really exciting to play in front of fans and um yeah so i think think i just think everyone is uh really excited for tomorrow and you know be back home is is also really exciting uh, i know you guys got to uh know that rink very well last year and in, in the short season there the the 24 game season 23 game i know you played 22 but you guys slept at the rink uh i don't imagine i mean that's that's something you'll be able to tell your kids about uh you know a couple of decades from now but uh that's pretty unusual isn't it <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty crazy um you know a lot of people have asked me you know how is it living at the rink and everything and honestly it was like it was a pretty wild experience i um we were there i think for i think it was two and a half months i want to say yeah. um but yeah no it was it was a great experience uh something i will never do i uh, i don't think <laughs> in my hockey career again um you know something i didn't even think i was gonna do right uh, in my hockey career but it happened um when i got the call that we were going to be living in the rink. I was kind of, I honestly thought it was a little bit of a joke at first. I thought yeah. they were trying to play with me or whatever. Cause I was a young guy. Yeah. You're the rookie. It, yeah. It was, uh, it ha- yeah. It happened. And you know, the amount of respect that I have to the organization and to all the coaches and everything to make it work is crazy. Um, you know, the, mo- the amount of time and effort that they put in that is, uh, is ridiculous. Um, so I just want to obviously thank them. And, you know, it was a, it was a really good time to bond with a lot of the guys and get to know a lot of the guys um, mm-hmm. and a lot of really good time for development, you know, with a lot of, obviously the rink being in our backyard, kind of, <laughs> um, you know, we got a lot of ice time and a lot of, a lot of practice time to develop. No kidding. Uh, well, nine points last year as a rookie in those 22 games uh, this year, 14 points so far in 42 outings. How do you feel differently this year than you did last year? And, and last I say season with air quotes. I mean, 22 games and we know it was two and a half months in the building, but that season compared to this year, night and day experiences on and off the ice, I'm sure. But as a player, how do you feel you've developed over that course of that time? Yeah, for sure. You know, obviously, you know, last year coming in as a 16 year old, um, you know, it's hard obviously. And, you know, trying to find, find your role on a team and find your stride type of thing. Um, you know, I think uh, the difference between last year and this year is just, you know, obviously like over the, the the summer every you know i got stronger and faster and you know just that more confidence um in my game to to bring it to the next level um you know i think also you know what helped with last year from this year you know we weren't obviously a a winning team last year Mm -hmm. um we didn't win a lot of games but now you know this year obviously we're one of the top teams in the league 
um, which is a really nice feeling. And, you know, every day we come to the, come to the rink trying to get 1% better. And, you know, you can just feel like the atmosphere is just, you know, different in the, in the building and it's, it's, it's really fun to be around. Um, so yeah, I just think, you know, another, you know, winning obviously is fun. And, you know, that brought my game to another level because, you know, um, developing wise, you know, from last year, having all that ice, uh, was tremendous for me. And then also in the summer working with all my, uh, trainers and skills coaches, obviously developing. Um, so yeah, I would just say, you know, the biggest thing is just, you know, strength and speed and just, uh, you know, that confidence factor and also just confidence, um, from winning also. Uh, how big of a difference is it now that Steve Konowalczyk is the head coach and Brent, I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision for him because I know how passionate he is about coaching, but to take that step back away from the bench and turn it over to somebody else, it really seems like it's, it, maybe it's just one of the things that is the reason why you guys have had such a, a big turnaround here this season. But I imagine as a player, it's gotta be, there's gotta be a different feel about it too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think with Brent, um, you know, the amount of respect that I have for that, um, for that guy is, is off the, off the charts, you know, everything that he did and is doing for this organization, still everything that he's done from ground zero. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I really, really speaks about his character, um, really speaks about, you know, his whole, his whole family's character all the way from Sean Sutter, Merrick Sutter, um, you know, all the Sutters, but, uh, so yeah, they're all great people. Um, you know, I think with Brent, you know, he really wanted to bring a coach in that, you know, he knew what he was doing and he, he had a lot of experience like, um, Steve kind of watch like does you know uh i think the way they coach is pretty similar uh you know i think you know they just they just want guys to work hard you know try their best type of thing you know and compete um but yeah so i really i really respect um steve our new coach a lot too because you know he doesn't care you know, who you are you know he just wants you to come to the rink every day and you know compete and work hard and try to get better um so i, I really like that about him and i really like that you know he uh he's brought my game to another level um because obviously he does have the experience from coaching and he's won a WHL championship before so he knows what he's doing obviously and you know I think all the guys are just trusting the trusting what he says and I think that's why uh, we've been really successful this year. Jace Weir is my guest defenseman with the Red Deer Rebels it's the 2022 draft spotlight segment uh, Jace what we like to do is in this part of the show is uh, let the audience get to know somebody who's draft eligible like you are and uh, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show, so my regular listeners will know all about the, the Rebels in the Western League and the rest of the Canadian Hockey League, but uh, there'll be casual NHL fans who pay attention to a segment like this just simply because you're a draft-eligible player. They may have never been to a WHL game in their life and might not even know where Red Deer is. So for the benefit of those people, uh, let's get some background about you personally. Uh, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, so um, I'm from Coldstream, British Columbia. Uh, it's an hour away from Kelowna. Um, really nice in the summers. Uh, I'm a really big golfer in the summers. Okay. I really like to go with my buddies and, and, uh, to go to the lake because it's really nice in the Okanagan where I live. And so, yeah, um, I like to, uh, golf. I play baseball. I, uh, I like to go surfing behind a boat and I just like to hang out with friends and friends and family and just, uh, kind of sit back and relax and, uh, enjoy my summers. How'd you get into hockey and, and how old were you when you first started playing? Yeah. So, I was actually born in Fort McMurray, um, Fort McMurray, Alberta. And, uh, I have an older brother, his name's Tyson and he's 27 now. Okay. Uh, and he, he was a hockey player growing up and so was my dad. He, they're also a hockey player and my dad always coached my brother. So, uh, I first started playing hockey on the, uh, just the backdoor rink in Fort McMurray, but it was too cold sometimes for me to go out there. Sure. Just a little kid like I was. So, um, 
I first started skating out there, but then me and my family moved to a little town called Sparwood. Um, it's in the Elk Valley. And I first played, you know, my novice and pre-novice years there. Um, just looking up to my brother, uh, watching him play midget games and mm-hmm. going a bunch of hit, going a bunch of hit to uh, his games. And um, yeah, so then I first started playing hockey in, uh, in a little town called Sparwood. And then when I was in grade two, my family and I moved to Coldstream and we've been there ever since. And I played my, uh, my minor hockey uh, years there. And then when I was in midget, I played in Kelowna for the Okanagan Rockets of the major midget um, program. And then uh, last year was my first year in the uh, Western Hockey League with the Red Deer Rebels. Have you always been a defenseman or did you try other positions when you were younger? Uh, yeah. So I was, I've always been been a defenseman. Um, I was when I was really young, I think pre novice or so. I was I was a forward, um, and I thought that I was going to be a forward. But then my dad was like, "No, no, no, you're you're going to be a defenseman." <laughs> so then uh, I uh, turned into def- turned into a defenseman because my dad was a defenseman, and he he's taught me uh, you know everything I know to this day, and he's um, been great for me, obviously. And yeah, so I've always been a defenseman growing up, and yeah, so I'm probably going to stick to defense take me back to the bantam draft uh, a lot of guys when i chat with them they they tell me they were at school trying to follow along on their phone other guys were at home and and uh, uh they were allowed to stay home from school that day uh some of the guys that i've chatted with uh, were in philadelphia at a tournament uh what was bantam draft day like for you yeah so i was i was just at home with my family uh just hanging out watching the draft um i had a pretty good idea that i was gonna go to red deer um you know they were my top team I wanted to go to um so I had a pretty good idea I was going to go there and then it was just a matter of time you know waiting and waiting for the pick to uh to come up so then yeah so I was just hanging at home with my uh with my family and then I uh, kind of got the call that from my agent that uh Red Deer was going to pick me and just watched on the TV happen and then yeah just uh, it was a really good experience for me and my family um something I'll never forget and you know I couldn't be happier with Red Deer you know as uh it's the place I wanted to be, and uh, I can be I can be happier. Can I ask why? Why was Red Deer the team that you really hoped would draft you? Yeah, I just think you know the the culture they have here in the in the organization, just with the you know the Sutters and everything. You know the uh, all the history they have here and developing players, and mm-hmm. you know I really wanted a team that was development type first, and Red Deer was that for me. Um, you know they really focus on development, and they you know really focus on uh, you know skills and stuff you need to work on and they give you every opportunity with extra ice and extra gym time for to for yourself to do that um but yeah i really i really like you know red deer because it's not an overly big city it's it's really easy to travel around you know get around um it's kind of like it's kind of like Kelowna a little bit so i'm kind of familiar with it um but yeah no i just i think with red deer the thing that sold me was just um you know knowing that you know knowing that when I go to Red Deer that, you know, it's going to be like a safe, safe place for me to be and not, not a, I guess not a, um, you know, a hope that it's going to be good. Right. You know, I knew it was going to be good right from the start. So I just, I just guess that factor from it, you know, made myself, um, you know, sold on being a Red Deer Rebel. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Their track record, it made you trust that you they knew what they were doing. Uh, so you were comfortable yeah, going there. Sure. Yeah, I get it. For those who haven't had a chance to watch you or the Rebels play, uh, they can look and see four goals, 14 uh, uh, points in through 42 games. They can look and they see six foot two and uh, see the size, but that doesn't necessarily paint the whole picture. So how do you describe yourself as a player? Yeah, I, I would say I'm a two-way defenseman. Um, 
I think I can play both ends of the ice. I think I can play uh, special teams, power play, penalty kill. You know, I think I can get put into any situation um, and succeed in it. Uh, You know, I just want to help the team any way I can. Uh, I think I can really adapt to new situations on the ice and um, really quickly. And I think, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I think my vision, you know, kind of separates me from others and just the way that I see the play and the way I can, uh, the way I just can, uh, you know, see what's going to happen before it happens type of thing. Uh, I just think, um, you know, I think a guy with my size uh, can use his body to his advantage. And uh, yeah, so I just think I'm a two-way defenseman who can, you know, make a good first pass and uh, doesn't spend a lot of time in his own zone when he's on the ice because he's always, you know, moving and uh, making passes and making plays. Has your uh, defensive pairing, your partner, uh, changed over the course of the year or have you been playing with the same guy for most of it? Yeah, I've been playing for the same guy uh, the whole year. His name's Chris Setoff. He's from Helsinki, Finland. Yeah, he's uh he's 19, and you know he's he's been awesome for me. Uh, you know, learning from him in practice and just learning, you know, his game that I can, you know, piece of his game that I can put into my game has been has been huge for me, and I've uh, really really thankful for that. So yeah, it's been it's been really good. Great for it to, your club to get him back after not being here uh, last year and spending that spending that whole season. Uh, in uh, Finland for him to come back to the WHL and it looks like he's just taken his game to another level this year he's almost a point per game player on the blue line yeah yeah he's been really good for us um having said back is uh it's huge uh you know he's a pro and you know he acts like a pro and every day comes to the rink and he uh he wants to get better and you know you can really see and you know just the way uh his habits are are really um really special so I just want to you know take things that he does and put him into my game. Now it is your draft year, Jace. Uh, I don't know how much time you spend thinking about the draft. I know a lot of players will tell me they try not to at all because they don't want it to become a distraction. Uh, there are players who tell me that they actively seek out to see who's got them ranked where and, and they use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you? Yeah, you know, I don't think, you know, I'm not really thinking about the draft too much. Obviously, you know, it's in the back of my head. But, you know, at the same time, I think, um, you know, you just got to play the game to have fun, you know, play the game to uh, to develop and just, uh, you know, take it day by day and not think too far ahead. But also, you know, at the same time, it's it's always in the back of my head and it's obviously one of my goals and it's been one of my goals my whole entire life. So, you know, I think just trying to get one percent better every single day to you know achieve that goal one day would be, be awesome. I know when it comes to what round you get taken in, I'm, I'm most guys will tell me they want to get selected as high as possible. And that makes sense. You're a competitive guy and there's nothing wrong with that. Does it matter though, if you're a first or a third or a seventh round pick, does it change anything? Um, you know, I think for me, obviously I, I want to get drafted the highest I possibly can, obviously. Um, and then, you know, once the draft happens and whatever happens on draft day, uh, you know, after I think the real work starts, you know, doesn't matter what round you got drafted in, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, you shouldn't be satisfied, you know, after the draft, because that's when you really have to put in, you know, a lot of work and, uh, and trying to make yourself into a, you know, an initial player. As a, a BC guy, actually, well, born in Alberta, but growing up in BC, uh, did you have a favorite NHL team or were, did, or maybe you're one of those guys who likes individual players more than an actual team? Yeah, no, I've always been a, been a Canucks fan. Uh, I've been a diehard Canucks fan all my life, so. All right. Anybody in particular with the organization that uh, that you look to as a as a role model in terms of the way you play, or maybe they're not with the Canucks. Um, you know, I think for me, a guy that I like to really watch, you know, to kind of say, I guess, play like, um, is a guy like Aaron Ekblad from the Florida Panthers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just think the way that he moves, 
moves the puck in the way that he moves, uh, moves his body into certain situations. Uh, you know, I think that I really, um, play like him, you know, especially since he's a big guy, uh, you know, can make a good first pass like, like me. And, um, so I just think, you know, the way that he can play, you know, both ends of the ice also is, is really effective and, you know, he can play special teams and play, uh, play any situation. All right, Jace, last the question for you. The name Jace, I'd never heard before uh, until probably a couple of years ago. And I think Jace Isley, your teammate, was the first Jace that I'd heard of. Growing up as a kid, were, I mean, were you the only Jace in your class? Or is that a, a name that uh, is more common than I was that I was aware of? Yeah, no, I've actually never, uh, I never met a Jace uh, until I think it was about two years ago, uh, just through hockey uh, in Kelowna. But yeah, no, all my life I've never, I never knew uh, another Jace, um, and uh, I've never seen another person spell Jace the way that my name is spelled. So that's funny, you and Jace Isley. Yeah, yeah. So is it Jace W and Jace I, or what do you get? How do you, do you like? What's your nickname? Uh, my nickname is uh, is Weirzy. Yeah, so they just uh, they call me Weirzy, and then they call Jace Isley um, Izzer. Izzer. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Jason, I appreciate your time, man. I enjoyed the conversation a lot. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this year with the Rebels and uh, whatever happens in the draft. I hope we can chat again. Yeah, thank you so much. Jace Weir of the Red Deer Rebels ranked, uh, I think most people have him sort of second, third round pick. I uh, wouldn't be surprised, you know, as the draft gets closer, if, uh, if that guy works himself up solidly into the second round. Teammate uh, Kyle Masters was a fourth round pick by the Minnesota Wild in last year's draft. And a lot of people thought he'd be in that third round area as well. So we'll see. And like I asked him at the end there, does it really matter where you go in the draft? Everybody wants to be a first round pick, of course. But if you're a second or a fifth round pick, you're really starting at the same spot, aren't you? I mean, there'll be people who say, yeah, first round picks get a lot more leeway. And yeah, that's true. But you still got to earn it. And you put the uh, the work and the time and the effort in, and uh, your development continues going forward. Fifth round picks pan out. Trey Fix Wolanski, seventh round pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets, just got into his first NHL game, played just over five and a half minutes, scored his first goal. So don't tell me a guy who's uh, picked in the fifth round is uh, automatically not going to make it. I like Jay Swear. I-, I liked him in training camp this year. He looked really good for the Rebels, and uh, I think he's uh, progressed to have a-, a pretty nice season here. And uh, that Red Deer team is going to be a fun one. I think they're going to go fairly deep in the playoffs, at least to the second round. It's not going to be a fun team to play against. The back end is uh, added beef. Uh, they got picked up Jackson Vandalist at the trade deadline, so they got more size. It's not going to be a, a, an easy team. They've actually done well against the Oil Kings this year. Looking forward to uh, the game this weekend between those two clubs. Well, that will do it for this week's episode. And uh, as a matter of fact, I am on my way to Red Deer to uh, call that game. Myself, Andrew Peard, will have the action for you at oilkings.ca slash radio. Troy Gillard is the uh, voice of the Red Deer Rebels. He'll be on board. I forget which station they're on in uh, Red Deer, but uh, you just follow them on Twitter, and uh, they'll they'll guide you there, I'm sure. But uh, Games of the Centrium, always lots of fun. Expecting nothing but a terrific game here uh, as these two clubs get together again. Uh, thanks to the other three guests that you heard from as well. Uh, But that's it. I got to go. So I am wrapping this puppy up for the week. Until next week, everybody, get out and watch some junior college hockey if you can so that you and I can talk about it next week right here on the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name's Keith Flaming. See ya.